0: Hi, my name is Brian, and I'm the lead pastor at Grand Valley Church. We hope that this message helps you explore faith and connect with Jesus. One year ago was our last in-person service here at the building. And it's kind of strange to think that it's been a year. In some ways, it feels like longer. In some ways, it feels like shorter. But I was reflecting back at the sermon series that we were in as we shut down in-person services and pivoted to online. And we were in a series called Nucleus, What's at the Center? And it was a series leading up to our Vision Sunday and what would be our annual meeting for 2020. And it was a series about us, about us as a church, about what does it mean to be followers of Jesus for our community of faith here in Brandon. And I was looking back at this message and realizing how relevant it is for us right now as we are in the process of launching in-person services. And so I decided to take this message from a year ago and to revisit it and update it for where we are now. And so much of this message is still our heartbeat as a church that has not changed even in a pandemic. We've just changed the way we're living it out with online only ministry. But as we pivot to a a hybrid model of having in-person and online ministry happening at the same time, this is a message that will help us get there. And so I want to encourage you, even if you were here a year ago, this is still a message for our church right now. And so this series called Nucleus, we were talking about it and we called it Nucleus because the nucleus is the central and most important part of an object, group, or movement forming the basis for its activity and growth. And so we're borrowing this science term to talk about the church because it really talks about us as a movement and as a community of faith. And as a church, we are first and foremost a movement. We are an assembly of people. The specific word that Jesus used when he described the church was ecclesia, which means an assembly of people that gather together for a purpose. And so the first two messages in the series focused in on what it means to be a movement and some of the things that we're focused on as a church that I'm going to recap in just a moment. But this is about the core of who we are as a community of faith, what forms the basis for our activity and growth, what we do as a community. And so we were using in this series this passage from the end of the gospel, this passage that comes after Jesus' resurrection when he gathers with his disciples and a group of his followers. And we're going to start our message by picking up at Matthew 28, verse 16. And says this, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Even when Jesus rose and appeared to his eleven closest friends, the eleven disciples that had been with him since the beginning, they worshipped him, but some of them still doubted that what they were seeing was real and true. And so Jesus, he comes and tells his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. This is where Jesus is laying the foundation for what he's going to tell his disciples next. And he says, Because I have all authority, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, this passage is known as the Great Commission. This is the commissioning moment where Jesus is giving the disciples, here's what you're going to do. And then a little later, Jesus keeps appearing to his disciples. And we get where we started the year off with our series on the beginning of Acts when we talked about Acts 1:8, where Jesus gave kind of the inauguration of the church and then the day of Pentecost happened and then the disciples went and carried this out. And they started figuring out what does it mean to be a church, to be Jesus followers in this changing world that they were in. And so when Jesus gave this commission to his disciples, he gave this promise, I am with you always. But if we rewind a couple days, if we rewind to the last evening that Jesus had with his disciples... He went and after he had a dinner with his disciples and he gave them kind of even more like last minute instructions, like last minute teachings, trying to squeeze in as much as he could into the last evening, Jesus went and he prayed and this was part of his prayer. He says, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them, his disciples, into the world and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. And then he says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. And so Jesus, when he gave this prayer, he was not just talking about his disciples right then, but that this was a prayer that carries forward in time to anyone who ever believes in Christ through the message of the disciples. And so Jesus was talking about us. Jesus has a plan for his church that is not done yet. And so when we take this passage, when we take this great commission that is not done yet, that is still ongoing for the church today, as our church, as Grand Valley um, Church here in Brandon, Manitoba, we simplify and draw this down to what we call our mission statement. And so our mission as a community of faith is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And you've heard me say that phrase many times because it's about keeping that at the core of who we are as a church. And you might notice that there's, there's four words that I've highlighted there, leading people and growing relationship. And when we talk about those two things, we're talking about evangelism and discipleship. And that evangelism is sharing the good news about Jesus Christ with everyone. And discipleship is teaching and helping people grow in their relationship with Jesus. And so these two things are deeply connected These two things are deeply intertwined, and this is what we do as a community of faith. We want to share the message of Jesus, and we want to help people grow in their relationship with Jesus. That's why we exist. But simply having a mission statement doesn't guarantee we're going to live it out. Because once we know what we're doing together, then we have to figure out what that means. How do we do this? Because Just having that mission statement, again, doesn't mean we're going to move forward and achieve it. There are many amazing mission statements written on plaques and painted on walls, but if they're not carried out, they don't achieve anything. And so how do we do that? How do we take our intentions and convert them into a plan? And what you need as a community of faith, what you need in any group, is there needs to be a strategy. And the strategy is how we're going to do what we're setting out to do. And in fact, a clear strategy forms the link between having a mission and living out the mission. Because I think we can all agree that living out the mission is what we actually want to do as a community of faith. Now, whenever we talk about having a plan or a strategy especially in the church, there's often a little criticism that comes up, and it's a question that comes up, and it's usually phrased something like this. It's, but if you make a plan, then you're not following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And it's this misunderstanding of faithfulness. It's a misunderstanding of who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit works when we think that the Holy Spirit cannot work in advance. Because the truth is, having faith in how we follow Jesus is not blindly following something. In fact, faith is informed trust. We are informed by Scripture. We are informed by our experiences. We're informed by how we gather and live this out together as a community of faith when we see that God does what he sets out to do. In fact, I, uh, I like expanding this definition a little further and saying that faith is knowing that we can trust God to fulfill his promises because we see that he has fulfilled all his previous promises. We can look at scripture and see the promises about the Messiah and then see how Jesus fulfilled and lived those out and how the early church saw and understand that. And so, first of all, if we're criticizing strategy, we need to recognize that the Holy Spirit can empower that and empowers that plan as it's being built. In fact, God himself is a planner. And in Ephesians 1 verse 5, Paul writes this to the church. He says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. God has a plan of reconciling the whole world Back to himself. And we are part of that plan when we are living out his mission of discipleship and evangelism. And lastly, the Holy Spirit guides the creation of the strategy and plan in the same way he can guide our strategy as we live it out. So sitting in a planning meeting or sitting as we figure things out and as we try to make a plan for how we're going to reopen services, the Holy Spirit is active in those times just as much as when we have our first Sunday back here and we, you know, find out if all the plans and preparations and everything we've tried to work through works out. But as a community of faith, we've got to ask ourselves so then, if we ha- create this strategy and create this plan, how do we live it out? How do we live out leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus? What is our strategy? For Grand Valley Church. And so I want to share three big things with our church today. I want to share three big things. uh, And if you're just checking out our church, maybe someone sent you this link or you stumbled across us on YouTube, you're going to get a kind of peek behind the curtain at being able to see this is what makes us tick. This is how we are living out the mission that we have as a community of faith. And these three things are not a linear one, two, three. This is a parallel tracks These are the goals that we are striving towards as we create our culture and our environment here at a church. And I'm phrasing this in three questions. And so the first of these three questions is this one. Are we a community that is welcoming and builds relationships? Now let me just address the elephant in the room on this one. For the past year, we have all struggled at this. For the past year, as we have adapted to being online only, to not being able to gather our life groups in person, to not getting together in people's backyards the way we used to, and things like that, most or all of us are struggling relationally. We're struggling with building and maintaining relationships, and we can probably think of more than a few people where there was no end of a friendship, but it seems like you just things faded away. You know, you stop texting one another, you stopped calling one another, and for no real reason, it just happened. And we're all experiencing that in different levels, in different ways. And so, one of the things that I, I've been realizing is I have to relearn how to be around people again when we start gathering in person. I haven't, I've preached once to a group of people at a funeral in the last year, and that's it. I'm used to now talking to a camera. As awkward and weird as it is, I've gotten used to staring into the lens and talking to a camera. And suddenly when there's people in these chairs, I'm going to have to refigure out how to be around people. And that's just the reality of this one. It is so important to be a community that is welcoming and building relationships and building friendships because that is part of how we live out our faith together. And so, We're going to have to relearn how to do that. And what's going to make this uh, a little more challenging in some ways is that we are moving into a new era of our church. And what I'm kind of calling this is that we're going to be launching what I'm kind of calling church in the hybrid era because it will be a blend of in-person and online gatherings. When we have a Sunday, when we're starting in-person services, some of our people will be here, some of our people will be watching live online, and some of our people will be watching later in the week or listening to the podcast. And so instead of being able to think, well, we, most of us are gathered on a Sunday, now that is no longer the primary place. Most of us may be gathering online or distributed through the week. And so what does it mean to still be welcoming and building relationships when we are not physically present with each other. And over the last year, you know, we've all been struggling with this. We've all been working about, around this. But pivoting into this new hybrid era of our church is gonna have some growing pains. It's gonna have times where things seem like the wheels are falling off and we gotta figure out, okay, well, how do we solve this problem? How do we get this next thing figured out? It's going to be difficult. In fact, I thought a year ago that pivoting to online was hard and difficult. But what I'm learning and have been learning over these last months as we were about to reopen before restrictions closed things back down is that launching in person is a lot harder than switching to online only. It takes a lot of moving pieces. But I think what we can do in this and what will help us is if we think back to the early church and we learn something from the early church because a defining characteristic of the early church was a culture of love and inclusion. In fact, it was what made the church so unique in the first century world, is that the church was the only place where people of different socioeconomic classes and background, free and slave, Jew and Gentile, gathered together in one place. And in fact, it was what looked so, why many organizations and why the political leaders of the day looked at the church with suspicion is because they couldn't figure out why that was happening, why people were bonding together over who Christ is and what Christ has done. And the reason for that is simply this. When Jesus was questioned about what the most important commandment was, he replied this. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So how do we show love to our neighbor in a hybrid era? That's the question that we're going to have to figure out. How do we help people who are online feel as connected as someone who is in person? Because there is no difference. If you're watching this online, wherever you're watching from, you are as much a part of this church as anyone who sits in these seats on a Sunday when we reopen. So how do we show love to one another in a hybrid era is a question that we're going to have to wrestle and work through. And so the second of these big guiding questions is this one. Are we creating opportunities that help people connect to Jesus and explore their faith? This ties into our mission directly, the evangelism and discipleship pieces. And I want to break this down into three kind of guiding principles for us. And the first one is this, that we as a church are committed to being a safe place to explore faith in Jesus. And what I mean when I say this is a safe place, I mean that this is a place to ask real questions and to discover real answers together. That when we think about even those 11 disciples that met Jesus outside of Galilee, it says they worshiped him and some of them doubted. Being a safe place to explore faith means that we will continue to be a place where we want to engage and explore the doubts that we may have around faith just as much as we talk about what helps us grow and walk with Christ in our faith because the truth is those are often the same thing. Wrestling with our doubts is often what will lead us deeper in our faith. And so that means we're not going to give simple, small answers to complicated questions. It means we're going to keep wrestling through different difficult topics. We're going to try to talk about things in ways that will never single out or embarrass anyone for asking the question. We want to be a place where we can explore and, and wonder about who God is and discover his nature and deeper about his love for us. And we're going to do this in ways that you don't need to have grown up in the church to be able to understand what we're talking about. We try to really avoid Christian jargon a lot when we talk, to be able to talk about our faith in plain English that is easy to understand. And so the second part of that, is to have meaningful conversations about faith in life. That means that it's not just about what I talk about or whoever's up here on the platform is speaking in our Sunday services, but that we have meaningful conversations with one another in whatever format and capacity that takes. Because the truth is, in our world, we can find content and teaching anywhere. In fact, you're watching this on YouTube right now. There is a list of suggested videos to one of the sides of me or maybe you know below the video on a smart TV And YouTube's trying to keep you watching by suggesting things that it thinks you will like to watch. There is content everywhere, but what is missing is a place to process. What is missing in our world is a place to explore and have conversations and to ask those application and implication questions about what does this mean for me and in me to dive into these things. See, We strive to have conversations that are relevant to you and meaningful to your faith. And one of the ways that I often ask that question is saying, are we talking about things? Are we having conversations about faith in ways that someone with zero faith background could understand and be part of that conversation? And so that's what it means to have meaningful conversations. And the third piece is this one, to create an environment where we can discover and develop spiritual gifts. And so spiritual gifts might be a new concept to you. And it's something that Paul writes about. The biggest chunk of writing about this found in scripture is 1 Corinthians 12, but it's also found throughout the New Testament. And this is the fact that the Holy Spirit gives everyone gifts to build up the church. Now, not the church building, not the church event, but the church as the body of believers, the ecclesia, remember, the assembly of Christ followers who are gathered together. Everyone has a role. And everyone has abilities that are to help and build up the church to achieve its mission of revealing who Jesus is to the world and for us to grow deeper in our faith together. Now, spiritual gifts are not a turnkey thing. It's not something that you are immediately excel at. It's something that we have to discover and develop. And so we are committed as a church to being able to help people discover and develop these spiritual gifts. And so that's what it means to create opportunities that help connect people with Jesus is by doing these three things. And so the last of our big questions where we talk about culture is this one of saying are we inspiring hope? Hope is something that we all need right now. But the reality is is that churches often have a reputation for being not hopeful but being pessimistic and cynical of looking around at the world and just saying, look at how terrible everything, look at how awful things are going. And the truth is that over the last year, those voices have only gotten louder. But the reality is, is that if our faith leads us to be pessimistic and cynical, pessimistic and cynical Christians only repel people who are searching for faith. No one really wants their faith to be explained by someone who is cynical about the world. That doesn't lead us to curiosity and questions and engaging with the Holy Spirit in deeper ways. And lately, there's been a new playbook in this area. And it's to claim persecution when there is none. And claiming persecution when there is none only damages our credibility to speak the truth. And the worst part about this is is it damages the credibility of all followers of Jesus when persecution is claimed. And if you take an objective look at our public health orders, even the set we have right now or any set that there's been, churches have been receiving preferential treatment through this whole pandemic. Churches were one of the last places to have restrictions placed on gathering size and to be brought down. And even now, there is nowhere other than a workplace, a shopping center, or a school, which if you think about those, those are all essential, necessary pieces. And the church is permitted to open when social gatherings are not. We need to recognize that as a church, we actually, and not just Christian churches, but all religious gatherings, have been receiving preferential treatment not persecution. And so we need to recognize that if we claim this false narrative that churches are being persecuted right now, that we are actually damaging our credibility and our witness to the world. It may make people who are already followers of Jesus riled up, but this is not helping our mission to lead people into a growing relationship. This is not helping our mission to reveal who Jesus is. Because the truth of the matter is, in Jesus, we have already found what our world is searching for. We live in a world that is deeply spiritually hungry and looking for meaning, and we have that meaning. We have what our spiritually hungry world is looking for. His name is Jesus understanding God's love for us, understanding who God created us to be, understanding the purpose that we have to care for creation, to be in this world that God created and be part of redeeming and restoring this world into what God intended it to always be. We have that hope, and it's up to us to share that hope with the world. Paul's letter to the Roman church is the largest letter that he wrote. And it's the biggest letter because Rome was the biggest, most important city in the world at the time Paul was writing. And he knew if there was a strong church in Rome, that it would shape the whole world. Now, at that time, again, the Roman Empire was the extent of the known world. And when Paul was writing to this church in Rome, he writes this long teaching section, 15 chapters, And when he gets to the end of it, this is how he concludes the teaching section before he moves on to the closing greetings of the letter. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy and peace are the opposite of cynicism and pessimism. God himself is the source of hope, and his prayer is that this Roman church would be overflowing with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So what would it look like for us as followers of Jesus to be overflowing with confident hope, confident hope in who Christ is, Confident hope in that God is restoring and rebuilding all things. Confident hope in God's love for us and his desire for us to share that love with others. See, our world needs hope right now. We recognize that more than ever. But it leads me to this question of, will the church have enough hope to share? Can our hope sustain us through uncomfortable and difficult times? Can our hope sustain us when we have to modify the way we do things so that we're able to reach people, that we're able to connect? Will we have enough hope to share? And so these are the three questions that I'm asking. Are we a community that is welcoming and building relationships? Are we creating opportunities to explore faith in Jesus? Are we inspiring hope? Because as a community of faith, this this is what we have to focus on. If we're not doing these things, we're not a church. We're not an ecclesia. We're not an assembly gathered for a purpose. But what are we focused on together? These three things are not easy to do. They're hard. They're difficult. It takes thought. It takes intentionality. It takes execution. It takes having a plan and carrying it out. And so our world is looking for this and we have it and so what are we doing to share it so it feels like for months we've been on the verge of opening in-person services we were really close in the fall of being ready we were actually about to announce some start dates when we got pushed back into the red critical response level and so we look at it and say, okay, our spiritual practices will continue to remain modified for the health and safety of others. And you know, we're at this point where I actually look at the news reports each day and I feel more and more hope for the future and hope for what will be next. And our world has changed over this year. But I think we can come out of this stronger. And we can come out of this learning how to rely and lean on one another. And I believe that the core of who we are as a community of faith, it doesn't need to change in a pandemic or change post-pandemic because our core is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That is our mission. The way we do things, you know, to use a strategy term, the model of what we're doing, the mission is set. The model can always change. The model can always be different, and when the model is no longer serving what we need it to do, we'll figure out a new way because that's what it means, and that's what the church has always done. The way the church gathers now is not exactly how the church gathered 100 years ago, even not how we all gathered 50 years ago or 10 years ago. The church has changed dramatically and continues to change to reflect how the message of Jesus needs to reach the culture that the church is immersed, immersed and enmeshed in. And so, what's needed for us to start in-person and online services? What's needed for us to step into this new hybrid era as a church? And first off, I want to say thank you to everyone who has been volunteering already. Most of the volunteer slots are filled, and you're going to, if you filled out that form in the email that was sent out earlier this week, or uh, I think uh, there'll be a link in, in the email that you received this morning as well, thank you to everyone who signed up. That was so encouraging to see those responses coming in. But there are some critical roles that we need to get filled before we can start in person. And that is that we need one more person to join our production team as a projectionist and two people to join our production team as video streaming volunteers. Now, I know when you look at those titles, it may feel complicated, but the truth is if you have ever run PowerPoint, if you've ever built PowerPoint or know a little bit of Office and can do that, you have more than enough technical skill already to learn how to do these roles. And if we have these three roles filled, that means that our production team um, for projection and the live stream will be able to work on a one in three rotation, meaning that we have backups. If someone needs to go under into isolation for any reason, for health, if someone's not feeling well, that we have a few people trained and ready to be backups because we don't want to get in the situation where we start in-person services, but each of our roles to be able to do this together have only one person able to do it. Because that means then that when we start, we're going to have to have weeks when we shut down if we don't have enough volunteers and revert to online only. And when we open, I'd rather us stay open. And hopefully that's possible. And so if you are interested in, you know, flexing your creativity, flexing your technical skills a bit and learning these, please contact me because these are three roles that we need to fill before we can start in-person services. Now, if you're thinking, well, I'm choosing to stay at home. I'm choosing to stay at home until further restrictions are released or uh, until I've been vaccinated. I totally understand and respect your choice. And I want to encourage you to make that choice and to feel confident in that. But you can also be involved in this even from home. And so if you are joining us online or maybe you've connected with our church and you're outside of Brandon an area and you're further away, thank you for being here. But ways that you can be engaged, even at a distance, even from your own home, is to engage with us on social media. It's so simple. Liking and sharing, even just putting a thumbs up or subs- on this YouTube video or subscribing to it, all those things tell YouTube and Facebook and Instagram that this content, that our, what we're talking about Jesus and how we're exploring these topics related to faith in our messages are important to you and may be important to others. And so that helps the message that we're trying to proclaim about Jesus go just a little bit further. Secondly, you could join our prayer ministry. They meet online over Zoom, or you could, even if you're feeling bold enough, you could start an online life group. A few times this year we've had people say, hey, I'm interested in joining a life group, but we haven't had times when there's been enough people at once to be able to launch a life group. But you could start an an online life group under a short-term basis with just a few people to talk about faith. talk about our messages, maybe read a book or do a, a video series or take one of our previous messages series and go back through it and wrestle, what does this mean to live this out in our world? And so whether you're in person or online, there are so many opportunities for us to still be a community and for us to serve one another with our gifts. And so I want to end with this question of saying, what is my role to help people connect with Jesus? What is my role to help people go deeper in their faith? Because let's remember, the church is not an event. The church is not a video. The church is not a building or a facility. The church is the people who are gathered for a purpose. And us as Grand Valley Church are just one body of the larger church. Brandon is fortunate that we have a lot of great churches who are all trying to reach people with the message of Jesus. And we're all doing it in slightly different ways for a reason, because it will always take more than one church to reach a city. It will always take many churches to reach a province, to reach a nation, to reach a world, for our world to be transformed. And that means that we choose to work together in this mission. And so I want to encourage you to think about what we've talked about here, to think about what it means to be a community of faith that is leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And as we are on the the verge of moving into this new era and figuring out what that's going to look like and accepting there's going to be bumps along the way and headaches to figure out, but we can do that together. And in all this, may we reveal who Christ is to the world around us. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, I know our service today went a little longer than we've normally been, but this is something I'm passionate about and I I hope it's something that you're passionate about too. And so next week, we're gonna return to wrap up the Justice Series, the message that would have been today. We're gonna tackle that next week. And again, sign up for our email list. That's gonna be the first place that we announce when we are restarting in-person services. And I am excited about the possibility that that could be very soon when we have these roles filled that we can venture into this new hybrid era of people being in the room, people being online, people watching later, and what that can mean for our church moving forward. So thank you so much for being here. I hope you have a great day and a great week, and we'll see you online next Sunday. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you know of someone that would benefit from hearing the message you just listened to, Would you do us a favor and share this podcast with them? And while you're at it, please consider subscribing to be the first to hear when our podcast is updated. If you want to join in on Sundays, our services are streaming online at 11 a.m. Central. To find out more about our church, go to mygrandvalley.ca and you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for My Grand Valley. Thanks for listening.